Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. My name is Stephanie Hupka, and I am the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach, as well as a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2023 Vice President of Marketing and Communications. And we also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. And we are very excited to welcome Jolt Ola to our episode today. So welcome, Jolt. Thank you so much for having me, Podcast Squad, Squad, whatever that was, and uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody who's listening. Yes, we are thrilled to have you here. I may be especially excited for this one because this is one of those topics that I both know a little bit about, but also love to talk about. So I think we're going to learn a lot more. But before we get into it, we would love it if you would introduce yourself to our listeners. Certainly. So currently, I'm a senior learning technologist at Amazon. I've been there for three years now, plus 20-something years in the industry before. And um, in the current role, I'm responsible for data literacy in a bigger sense around how do we as a learning organization measure, um, show the value, track, uh, but also help something you know, making more impact than content, as I usually say. Um, <laughs> I wasn't born um, to be a data literist person. In fact, um, the first degree that I had was uh, computer science. That's my technology sort of background. Um, three decades ago, I actually built for my thesis a um, artificial learning um, um, sort of computer technology thing. Today, it takes probably two lines with ChatGPT. Back then, it was six months of work. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, but at the end, in the end, I decided after four years that I need people in my life. I'm not uh, just a computer guy sort of thing. And I did uh, learning um, and in social design. So this is basically my life on um, both sides, um, playing the people side of things, the creative side, but also the technology side of things. That's fantastic. I, I love the background. And I think it's lovely that you fell into this work as so many of us have, you know, coming from various backgrounds and finding a way to take what you've done before and, you know, match it into this very people oriented world. I mean, that that's really exciting. And also a really great segue into what we're going to be chatting about today. You've already mentioned it, data literacy. And I think Perhaps the place to start is from the beginning. Data literacy may be a new concept, a new idea for some of our listeners. So I'd love to start with what that means, how you define that, what that looks like. What is data literacy? So I think in our L&D world, we love concepts. We love all kinds of background information, theories. And we have lots of opinions. If you go on LinkedIn, you can see <laughs> oh, that. We do. <laughs> um, so the only thing that actually works in, and I'm talking about for the whole podcast, just to be clear on um, work-based learning. And so anything that's like, especially in my case, like Amazon or imperiously um, corporate world, nothing about 12K, um, K-12 and, um, you know, higher ed and that sort of thing when it's a very different world. But in, in our world, data is kind of the language. Yeah, because this is sort of the words that you put together that people believe in, otherwise an opinion, especially at Amazon. And so in our case, data literacy, and you can define it probably a thousand different ways, 
But for for our case, it's it's simply just understanding how to read, write, use data, and and especially argue with data. So how do you tell the story to make an impact rather than just being right? Um, so it's not like a white paper sort of thing. Like, look, my p value is down here, and I'm right, and everybody's wrong. <laughs> if you don't make the difference with your storytelling that use data, then you sort of failed. And that's that's the data race, the very basic things. It's not the stats yet. It's not about um, all kinds of data modeling and, and later like predictive modeling. It's just understanding how to think differently. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And this actually brings up, so as you were talking, I was thinking about uh, like one of my client organizations, I was just having a conversation with them yesterday. It's a one person shop and she probably wouldn't even know where to begin. So could you maybe (laughs) speak to that person? Who's that one person uh, L and D shop for an organization? What do they need to know? How do they start? So the good thing is that um, if you think about data as a language, we don't need to be perfect. It's like it's, you know going to a different country when there's a language that you don't speak. You don't wait until you're perfect in that language and finally you yeah. can travel because then you would never go anywhere. <laughs> um, but you do need some sort of a basic thing so you don't get lost or you know critically misunderstood in that in that environment. And the same with. A single person can make a big difference just by speaking differently. Actually, it's probably easier than a team because then you don't have to deal with other people. But mm-hmm. um, where it starts, in my case, for example, I started where, where we are today. So normally what you see is you collect some sort of data, you put in a dashboard or some, you know, some sort of a, a display, it could be a PowerPoint presentation, whatever, and you show, hey, we've delivered X amount of hours Courses are X amount of rate, and we get PRR, NRR, sort of, um, depending on what you use for measurement. Like, people love our courses, sort of thing. And that that we do. We've been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. That literally taught us to step back and think about, are we actually showing some sort of a value, insights from this, that people make a difference? So what sort of decisions our stakeholders are making based on these? Probably not much. Um, what sort of insight we can give them that's valuable that is not after the fact like okay looks like no everybody failed great now what can we actually tell them before that's happening that they may need more support that sort of thing so it is the starting point around i think i would say three things one is think differently so be curious about what the business is doing what do they care about do they care about Larry seat time and people you know taking courses and all that or they really care about whether those KPIs on their metrics going up and down. Mm, yeah. And the second one is if they do, which they, I guarantee they do care about that, <laughs> um, that point, you can have a starting point of asking them things like, what decisions are you making today that you would actually make with data in a more effective way? So what gaps do you have today? What do you know and what you don't know? How could we help? kind of fill in those gaps with data so you don't rely on your gut feelings, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the starting point. You need to get buy-in from stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third part. It's like the technical things. Like you need to understand what numbers are. And it sound, may sound something like a high school um, you know, teacher that you should go back to high school and learn stats again. But this is more about things like mean, for example. I just had this um, great session on ATD ICE. Um, it is a data literacy session when I brought up 
board game, and about 200 people in teams were trying to figure out whether a pilot was successful or not by making decisions on statements. Is it true or not? And suddenly you see that people looking at exactly the same data and come to different conclusions. So there's something wrong. There's something you know, like a mystery behind it, and that is where you start. So things like mean. What do you mean by mean? Oh, we have a grade 4.4 on satisfaction. And my question was, what does that mean? Well, that mm. means we have X amount of people who between 0 and 5 said something, and this is 4.4. And I said, this is how you calculate it. But what does that mean? And then there's mm. a silence here. Because there is no meaning. You don't do anything about unless it goes on to like 1 or 0 or something crazy happens. Other than that, you don't do anything about it. It doesn't really mean anything. That's the point where it starts. I love what you shared too, because I think that you really hit upon something very important. You have to really understand what you're working toward and make sure that people are on the same page as you start to talk about data literacy. If everyone brings a different interpretation or meaning to some, you know, to the data that they see, it's going to be very difficult to get results that make sense, that mean something, that provide value. So I'm curious, and maybe this is something you've experienced, but in terms of bringing teams together, do you recommend as teams are looking to become, you know, bring more data literacy into their conversations? Is this a question of having some of these conversations up front where you level set, you work together, or do you typically see where perhaps it's more higher up in an organization and you have metrics that you're working toward or that there are individuals or small groups that might, uh, you know, really kind of contribute to what that definition will look like. Do you, I guess really the question is, do you tend to see this as more of a team conversation where you bring people together or is it easier or perhaps better for uh, teams to be pulling data from perhaps, you know, more of the organizational level or perhaps they work together in that way? And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> Perhaps different for each organization. Next right? question. Um, <laughs> no, what I, what I mean that everything that you said and you kind of rattle down, you can go this way, up and down, top to bottom, middle. These are yeah. all work. And in fact, data literacy is not about, and this is a mistake that some, some people do that they hire these data scientists, um, data analysts and, and all these like high caliber people who know a lot about data and put them into one team. Mm-hmm. And then they only take like 5% maybe of the, all the work because they're very busy and they only take like high level things or very risky or whatever the project, but everything else is just out there. So yeah. that literacy is not about having very high in-depth level of expertise somewhere in the organization, right. but having the base everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so if it's a one person, that's great because now you already have it. <laughs> so your next thing is how do I, you know, work with my stakeholders? Um, but if you have a team, and especially if you have more than one teams, we have thousands of learning professionals at Amazon. So it's, it's, it's a country sort of thing. But even yeah. you have different teams within L&D, you need to have your own common language first. Now, is L&D the, the team to start this revolution and spread it all through the organization without any help from operation and senior leadership? Probably not. However, you can start somewhere. And this is where when we sort of start talking, talking about is that you need some people who are passionate enough about it to start it. And then you make your little network. You must have some sort of 
and I'm sure that you've seen this in, in, in your organization. If you, once you deliver something somewhere, you solve the smallest thing. It doesn't have to be like the ocean. It's like you small a little creek. Um, you build a bridge. Mm-hmm. Look, we can go here. Um, maybe you have to jump a little bit and wobbly, but it works. Once you've solved any small problems and people see it, then they come like, hey, can we use that for something else? How can we extend that? How can we make this bigger? And that's when you have allies from, from different organizations. A case study is the first thing that you want to have to show like, look, mm-hmm. this is what it was before. This is what's now. How valuable is that for you? Do you want to join sort of thing? I like that. Start with the creek, not with the ocean. <laughs> I, and the case study too. I think that's yep. such an important thing because, you know, very much the reason that I asked that question so often that in organizations, you feel like an initiative like this should start somewhere specific. You know, leadership should be doing it or my manager should be doing it. Really, as long as you've got one person passionate about it, you can get started on this journey. And I think, you know, a lot of times you feel that you're, you may not be empowered from where you are, but this is something that an individual can start and watch as it snowballs into something bigger. And not only um, that it, it can start anywhere, but it should start anywhere and yeah. somewhere because oh, that's um, I don't know if those words mean anything anywhere, somewhere. But for example, in our team, um, ultimately LND at some point wants to have this language to be used somewhere. And yeah. that usually is some sort of a framework of evaluation framework. So Kirkpatrick is everybody knows Kirkpatrick. That's mm-hmm. like the Bible thing sort of thing. Um, our team, for example, using LTEM. Learning transfer, um, learning transfer evaluation model by Will Tannheimer. Um, okay. But the point is, it doesn't matter what you use. The point is that once you have this language laid down, then the evaluation part becomes more operational because everybody speaks the same language in it. If you start with, we're going to do Kirkpatrick 2, and then some people think that is putting some questions at the end of the course, Others think that you need to have some sort of a scientific way of approaching it with like means and standard deviation, blah, blah, blah. But they're not really sure what that means. Mm-hmm. So you have to start it as the baseline something. And then you can build build on it. And now I forget what the question was, but I think it's important <laughs> what I said. <laughs> that was exactly what the question was. Okay, and that's a perfect go. answer. <laughs> There you go. So I'm curious. Uh, so knowing that our audience, our listeners, our viewers are talent development professionals, what do you absolutely want them to know about data literacy before we get off on our conversation today? <laughs> uh, yeah, before we go over the bridge that we built. Um, yes. <laughs> so I, th- I like to think about it as, again, these three sort of pillar things. And one, which is probably the most important one, is that it starts, it doesn't start with technology that you need. So you don't have to wait until someone brings you the technology. Um, it doesn't start with scientific methods and data modeling and that sort of thing, stats. It, I think, starts what you can do today is just thinking differently about it. So Jordan Morrow has a great book. Um, and it's Be Data Literally, it says. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good start. Because what you learn about these little hats that he has, basically you you wear different hats, is that it starts with how you think about data. So I'll give you an example. One of the um, traps that I've seen a lot is 
stakeholders come to you and ask for something. And to show the value, we jump in solutioning because we've seen this before. We know how to build things. And well, let's say you're actually doing your job. So you do a lot of analysis at the beginning and needs analysis and all that. But it's all about like, we need to increase empathy or we need to have more you know, quality values in customer service. Let's jump in and we need active listening. It could be like this way or that way. And you bring some sort of a program. That is what we do because we, we're passionate about building solutions. What we should be equally passionate about is not doing all of that. Basically, let it go. And this is the curiosity comes in uh, the hat of asking, why are they asking what they're asking for? So instead of actually pleasing them to give them what they need, um, I mean, what they want, you actually start asking about of why they're asking it now. What do they actually mean about this? And you realize that there are two questions that we don't ask generally. One is if they want to raise this KPI, this number, what does the KPI mean for them? How is it collected? And what's the definition? So if someone wants, we need more empathy because X, Y, Z, then, okay, show me your empathy measuring. How do you measure it today? And what happens? Who's measuring it? How often? Because what you realize is that Empathy could be, and me, you know, we've been training people on empathy for like three decades now, and they still don't get it. Um, so there's something <laughs> we know a lot about it now. What we don't know is how in that particular case it's measured. So if they send out, for example, 12 questions to the customer, then that's the starting point, because those are the things that you can make a difference about, not generally about empathy. But in order to do that, you need to understand how it's measured who's measuring it, what is the exact method, and where's the data coming from. So rather than just seeing the number on a chart that we have to move up and down, we need to think about it, how this number created. Nice. And again, I don't know what the question was, but I think this is a good answer. <laughs> again, I think that <laughs> you, not only did you answer that very well, I think the example, uh, it, it really kind of illustrates it very nicely. It gives us a good picture of, of what that can look like. So uh, I, that was fantastic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I think I think this was the thinking part. So let's stop. Let's be curious about uh, there's there's other part too. So you do have to have a basic knowledge of data classification because you need to actually build some sort of a data um, strategy that, for example, my role requires. So we sit down with a project team and from different roles, and before we jump in and start collecting anything we can in the world, um, just in case we need to use it at the end, we start thinking about it. What data do we need that answers what questions? Because if people don't care about the questions, then it doesn't matter whether you're going to answer the questions or not. And sometimes they ask questions only what they think we know the answer for. So they ask about like, okay, I need to know how many people launched this course and how mm. many people completed and what's the ratio? Because that's how we treated them for 20 years that come to us and we tell you anything what happens in the LMS. But instead, if we teach them about the boundaries, sort of the gray boundaries of, well, maybe it's not just how many people completed the course. Would you like to know, for example, what happened in the course? Would you like to know what happened after the course? Mm. Oh, we can't do that because, you know, we don't have control over that. And this is my first question around data literacy for every L&D person. Do you feel responsible for what happens 
after a learning experience and whether you are accountable for that or not. That's a different question. But oh, it starts yeah. with, do you feel responsible for what happens after? Because if not, because it's out of your control, then it doesn't really matter what you do with data literacy because yeah. <laughs> you're going to build those dashboards and make the matrix look good and all green. And yeah, the business may not see the impact. Mm. Absolutely right. No, that, that, I think that's a great way to phrase that. Wow. Now, I can't believe how fast time has flown. Oh, I know. But we're over that bridge. It's uh, <laughs> We're over that bridge. It's time for those rapid fire questions. <laughs> are, are you ready? Uh, me? Yes. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're really hard. So here we go. <laughs> what is one? Uh, C. C. I, I want to say C. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. No. Okay. <clears throat> Give us one book that everyone must read and why. So because it's, uh, we talk about data literacy, I'm going to say it's completely something different. But mm -hmm. in my career, last 20 years, the most practical thing I've used from theories and books was Kathy Moore's action mapping. Mm -hmm. So she does have a book called Map It. Um, it's on more on the expensive side of things, but there's the value in it. And yeah. that could be used to cut down all the fluff and just really focusing on this backwards sort of design that I'm talking about, starting with the business goal and going backwards where, where you need learning and what sort of learning you need. Yeah. Nice. Great choice. Okay. What is one tool? And you can define that however you'd like that you cannot live without. That's my laptop. Um, because back in the days you had, you know, giant desk things that you couldn't carry anywhere. And then mm -hmm. once I have a laptop, that is my life. Literally, I spend 20 <laughs> hours a day on my laptop doing all kinds of things. Um, there's a lot of tools on that, obviously. And now we have AI. And I'm sure ChatGPT would agree with me that you need to have somehow <laughs> an entry point for that. So definitely a, a good laptop. Everybody needs a good laptop. Awesome. Yeah. Or, or two. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, one is when I was told not to get what people, and we kind of touched on this one, not to get what people ask for, but give them what they need. Mm -hmm. So ask them why they ask for what they think they need for that, whatever they ask for. Um, that was a long sentence. It didn't make any sense. But the point is that... No. Always stop and think about it, what they mean by that when they ask you yeah. something and deliver that rather than what they, even if, even if, and this is kind of crucial, even if the thing that they ask for and they get it would please them. Mm. So you might lose yeah. some people in the beginning, but you have more friends at the end. Yeah. Great advice. I think that's very fair. I love the idea that you should be a little strategic as you're mm -hmm. understanding what people are saying to you. There's what they say and what they really mean by yep. that. So yeah. I I have to say, I'm so grateful that we had you on because I think that this is one of those very essential topics for everyone who works in talent development. And you've made this feel very approachable. Lots of individual steps, ideas, thoughts, conversations that people can really take back to their organization and start to understand how data literacy can elevate the work that they're doing. So we are so grateful for your time and for your willingness to join us on the podcast today. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm sure I'm going to show up at some ADD conference with data literacy. So 
So you're there. <laughs> there we, we go. We will look forward to seeing you there. <laughs> Absolutely right. And of course, many thanks to all of you for joining us and for listening or watching wherever you are today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you need consultant services? The Metro DC chapter of ATD has many talented members. Go to dcatd.org and check out our consultants directory under the resources menu option. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today. 